Well, it's good to be able to welcome you to another episode of Rethinking Aloud, podcasting from the Diocese of Leicester, and starting conversations about how faith connects with the world around us, how we engage as Christians uh, with some of the big questions that emerge as we live out our faith in the everyday. Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be thinking about science and faith. Um, how do they relate to one another? Do they even relate to one another? Are they in opposition? Or can they be thought of as complementary? And I'm joined today by Nikki McGinty, an engineering graduate who moved from working in engineering to becoming a management consultant to large organisations and multinationals, uh, both in the UK and abroad, and who's also a rev, uh, to Peter Williams, uh, Emeritus Professor of Genetics and Genome Biology at the University of Leicester. Uh, Peter also sometimes preaches at the church he attends, uh, and Chris Johnson, a vicar in the Wigston Benefice. Uh, and it's to my embarrassment uh, that in such august company that I'm obliged to admit that I failed O-level biology 35 years ago. Um, but Chris, we're going to start with you. Um, there's been a perceived rivalry uh, and sometimes a mutual suspicion between science and the Christian faith for a long time now, hasn't there? What do you make of it all? I think it's a really interesting interesting question. I was giving some, some thought to this earlier on today and trying to work out quite where this sort of antipathy or this suspicion has come from. Um, because sort of going right back to uh, Thomas Aquinas, a theologian in, in the 13th century, he, I gather, referred to, uh, to theology as the queen of the sciences. Um, but but in that respect, he was he was talking in terms of the pursuit of knowledge, the pursuit of the knowledge of God. Um, so it, theology fitted in within a much sort of more overarching uh, scheme of learning and of knowledge, uh, as I understand it. I think university courses, as they were back then, would have had a, a much a greater sort of respect, should we say, for theology in the place uh, within that. But over over the years, we seem to have had this sort of divergence where science and religion have gradually sort of drifted apart from one another. And now sometimes it feels like they shout things at one another over the fence rather than talk to each other, um, uh, either on equal terms or at least in, in respectful terms. Um, and so I was thinking, thinking a little bit about that whether that's sort of uh, angels and demons, uh, if you think of your Dan Brown and, and the cinema, or uh, even sort of going back, there was a, a funny story, well, I think it's funny anyway, uh, going back to sort of Darwin's time and uh, the story of uh, Bishop Samuel Wilberforce, the son of the great William Wilberforce, who was the Bishop of Oxford, who got embroiled in a debate with Thomas Huxley, who uh, was a, a scientist of his day and sometimes known as Darwin's bulldog, uh, such was his way of expressing his views. Um, and they got involved in this sort of great debate of is evolution versus religion and so on and so forth. And unfortunately, the bishop didn't come off dreadfully well uh, from that debate. It's been reported variously and you can find uh, various quotes about it, including repeatedly Thomas Huxley saying, I'd rather be an ape than a bishop. Um, but I'll, I'll leave that one with you to, to think about. I don't think that's really the exact quote, but history isn't always very helpful on that one. Um, but for me, I think science and religion and science and faith are two things that should go along with one another and should talk to one another quite happily, because I don't think that they're asking for, for opposite things. 
Um, very helpfully, Bishop Gully uh, did a thought for the day back on the 19th of May. You can probably still find it on BBC Sounds. Um, and actually, really, in two minutes 50, uh, had a bit of a sort of a theological TARDIS of thinking. She said in two minutes 50, well, it would probably take me 25 minutes to say in terms of ideas around science and religion and about this sort of mutual quest for knowledge and for understanding of the, the origins of the world, the universe, knowledge of God for us as Christians, and um, the sort of mindset that we, we can sometimes get in. But both, uh, Bishop Gully said, sort of seek to embrace uncertainty and doubt in different ways. So I think there's some really interesting things for us to draw out as we strive better to understand the world that we inhabit, and indeed for us as Christians, God as well. Well, thank you, Chris. I'm slightly worried now that uh, you, you've pushed everyone away from us and onto uh, where they can get the whole thing in just two minutes and 50 seconds. But uh, it was yes. a really, really good thought for the day. So do catch that if you can. Um, just thinking a little bit more about that, Peter, you spent your uh, working life in academia, uh, working in the same area of investigation and research as, um, as some might say, notorious populist atheist Richard Dawkins. Um, but, that, but that was your world for, for many, many years. Were you aware of any antagonism uh, between the scientific and the faith communities? Well, yes, I was in a way, but only when I was still a student, as it happens. I was born just a few years before the publication of Watson and Crick's landmark nature paper on the structure of DNA. And by the time I was beginning to show an interest in biology in my grammar school days, DNA was already firmly embedded in the O-level curriculum. Uh, it was, it is uh, a wonderful molecule. It's perfectly designed for the encryption, transmission and expression of genetic information. And I was captivated both by the molecule itself and by the obvious fact that scientific research in this field was dynamic and fast moving. It was exciting. And I could see that the even in those days that the elucidation of DNA structure wasn't the end of the story to be relegated to a chapter or two in textbooks. It was just the beginning. And in my well, youthful arrogance, I should say, or perhaps nerdy naivety, I don't know which it was, I wanted to get involved. And then one day, I was on my way to church with my parents, walking down the road, and I met my biology teacher. And he was going in the other way, other direction, actually, and metaphorically speaking, because he was a, a pretty virulent atheist. But anyway, in a few brief pleasantries in which I introduced him to my parents, I said, where we were off to, and he said something to the effect, you're surely not into that stuff, are you, after all I've taught you? And I was actually quite shocked, because I hadn't really considered up to that point that there might be any anti antagonism between doing science and having a faith. My parents were both science graduates, uh, but they were also involved in our local church. So I went to speak to our vicar, who himself had been a research scientist before going on to train for the ministry. Are science and Christianity incompatible, I asked. And he simply pointed me to Psalm 111 and verse 2, great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them, which encouraged me to want to study God's great works. But going back to your question, John, really, apart from that quite early hint of controversy, I personally have never been on the receiving end of any sort of antagonism from any of my colleagues, whether atheist, humanist, agnostic, apathetic, apathetic to religion, that is, or even Jewish and Muslim colleagues. I have never, for example, 
been accused of over-interpreting data to fit a particular religious viewpoint. And all my colleagues were, it seems to me, very respectful of both my faith and the science that I was doing, even on those occasions when Dawkinism reared its head in conversation. I mean, it wasn't, I have to say, at the front of people's minds in our everyday working environment. And if anything, I have to say, I've felt more antagonism from Christian non-scientists than from non-Christian scientists. That's really fascinating. What an interesting answer. Um, yeah, but plenty to think about there. Uh, maybe maybe we throw the stones sometimes or, or, or attempted to uh, over the wall at the wrong people. And maybe some of the problem lies with us and not with the scientific community. Well, that, that's fascinating, your reflections on your own experience. Um, just sort of moving the conversation on a little bit, I'm... Um, I was wondering, you sometimes hear people say that science um, seeks to answer the how questions, uh, while faith is interested in the why questions. Um, is that fair comment or is that a little bit too simplistic? Well, I think that's quite simplistic, actually. I tend to say they both do both. Um, I think that's what attracts me in both cases. I'm really interested in that idea that they both do both. So... Uh, so I would want to say that faith is about how as well as the why, and science is about the why as well as the how. And uh, I think at the moment we're living, aren't we, in a time where there's lots of how questions as well as lots of why questions. And I think it's important that we hear both those views from different places. And uh, I've never seen them as competing or having to kind of fight for the same space I think they both feed each other they're both aspects which uh, which matter to us as we live and how do we have the good dialogue becomes I think a more helpful question perhaps than how do we set them up as different things um, I think if I think about what took me into engineering in the first place it was a whole load of how and why questions that got me there I was fascinated by the world and wondering how it worked and how did I solve some of the problems that seemed to be out there and that was what really led me down that path and funnily enough it's the same sort of questions I work with now I wrestle with much more around the people end of things and how do people work well together all those good ideas um, but they're still about the how and the why. And so, and so there's sometimes perhaps an artificial divorce between the two and, and you would see them being much more intertwined. Yeah, I can't really separate them out. I, I find it intriguing that people do almost because it seems to me they're both wrestling with the puzzles of life. And I think there's a difference between a puzzle that has one answer, a problem, a problem has one answer and a puzzle has many. And I think lots of the things we're wrestling with um, are puzzles and therefore both science and faith are coming at them trying to wrestle with some of those puzzles. That's really helpful. So, yeah, so, so it's almost as if you're saying that, you know, that there's a, a problem when we create these two discrete activities or communities, um, but actually the, the relationship might be much more symbiotic than that. So that's, that, that's helpful. Mm. Yeah, I do think they're connected. And I think they, it's interesting how they sort of find their way through that, I think. I was thinking about uh, back to uh, some of my... Uh, early theology training and uh, I 
did a, a part-time training course because I've kept working throughout and I've been a self-supporting priest. So I've had other activities alongside. And I remember doing it sort of very early thinking about what informs theology? What does it that comes, where does it come from? And in a sense for us as Christians, it comes from scripture. So, and scripture, as Peter's already alluded, is full of some great um, questions and also some great comments on how God is there and the whole story of God through history and the glory of God seen all the way through just seems to strike me as something to engage with. Uh, the heavens are showing the glory of God. Um, that seems a particularly key thing for me. Um, and then, but as well as scripture, we also have built our theology around reason. And I'm hugely pragmatic. I mean, that's part of the engineering and the engineer in me. And it was partly pragmatism that got me into engineering and said, look, I think I have some skills here. I love doing this. Perhaps I could do something with it. In the same way, I think there's a pragmatism in how I do my theology. So there is reason in it. Both um, both of them use reason. Uh, science uses reason. Theology uses reason as well. There is tradition. Um, you know, theology comes from the story of those who've gone before us. And I am, you know, hugely in debt to those theologians who have helped us see things through history. But also, if I think about science, there's a whole load of, there's a whole line of amazing people through history who we have learned from. And then there's just the experience of what is it to live as a person of faith and to see God at work and all of that. And I think that, again, is part of what is a consistent thing. So there's there's lots of things about both of these traditions that take what is around them and work with them in order to understand more. And so, so sort of building on that, I think I'll ask, ask Peter this, but um, is there, sort of for the non-specialist, a, a problem in that there's a kind of like, there's this misnomer uh, that science deals with proven fact while faith deals with the unprovable, uh, whereas in reality both have held beliefs that cannot be proven to be correct. You know, evidence can be gathered to support them, um, but the thesis can't be proven to be correct. Uh, and, and, you know, scientific theories are models and models are or should be kind of continuously refined as new information comes to light. But we have this kind of this myth, don't we, that that, that one deals with fact, one deals with that which can't be proven. Um, I, I don't know. Would you, would, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Of course, it's, it's a big oversimplification to say that science deals with proven facts. Stephen, Stephen Jay Gould said that facts and theories are different things, not rungs in a hierarchy of increasing certainty. Facts are the world's data. Theories are structures of ideas that explain and interpret facts. So a scientific theory is just an explanation of an aspect of the natural world that can be repeatedly tested and verified in accordance with the scientific method using accepted protocols of observation, measurement and evaluation of results and so on, including by peer review. And if new or more powerful powerful experimental protocols become available. And as additional rigorous evidence is gathered, the scientific theory can, of course, be modified or even rejected if it can't be made to fit the new findings. So in circumstances that are not amenable to experimental testing, then theories can be evaluated through what's sometimes called abductive reasoning, which is making logical inferences, if you like, of the simplest and most likely conclusion from a, from a set of observations. And in such cases, and I guess the theory of evolution is one of these, there will, of course, be 
a hint of uncertainty or doubt, which is expressed in terms in scientific papers as the best available evidence says, and it's most likely that, but, you know, things could be different. So I think that's really the, the, the thing. These are models, and as you say, they can be continually refined, and they should be. So to say that what all of these um, uh, theories are, um, is if these theories are proven, uh, is, is, not, is proven up to the point that we can get to with the, with the methodologies that we have now, or at least that everything fits in with the data that we can acquire from those uh, from those methodologies so i mean i've, I've sometimes heard you know people um of, of an atheistic bent say that the scientific method is superior to theological methodologies um it, it, is that a fair thing to say or are we actually comparing things that are too different to bear comparison i was reading the other day that einstein once said if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree it will live its whole life believing it's stupid. Uh, and are the two disciplines so different that we're damning fish uh, for not climbing trees, or, or, or are they in some senses quite similar? Um, yeah, well, Chris, and have you got any thoughts there? Um, I think there's probably a lot more common ground between the two things um, that, than we, we give them credit for Some in some ways. I mean, going back to ideas of tradition and the early church, one of the things that really strikes me about the early days of the Christian faith is sort of quite how scientific they were in terms of gaining their understanding of who God is. Uh, some of the sort of really detailed, if you go back to some of the, the letters of the early church fathers, the way they sort of go through the scriptures in great precision to try and understand more about the nature of who Jesus is, how we know God, uh, particularly God as Holy Trinity, um, is uh, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, is really intriguing. It's intellectually a very rigorous religion, the Christian faith. And I think there's something that we can we can sort of be encouraged by in that and that common ground with, with the scientific understanding. Um, I think some of the, the difficulties perhaps have come in ensuing years uh, in that sort of link with scientific theory in terms of how we develop our theology and our theory to match changing understandings of God, the revelation of God as we as we find it and know God uh, in the world today, and how science informs our thinking around God and our understanding of other elements of, of the created world. So I think there's a lot of common ground. I think the difficulties can come where there are pinch points or things seem to be in conflict or in tension with what we've known, loved and held dear. Um, I mean, that was something perhaps that was beginning to be seen in, in the Darwin sort of time with evolution and the sort of radical impact that that had on our understanding of the creation of the world compared to what we'd inherited as a sort of scriptural understanding. I think in modern terms, we've understood that, we understand that in a very different way now. And I don't think our relationship with God is made any poorer for that, that scientific involvement in our theology. It'd be interesting to see what Nikki said in a minute, but I was, I was just thinking as you were speaking then, whether there's a problem both in theology um, and, and with science and just more generally, that we're sometimes not as comfortable with mystery or not knowing uh, as we would do well to be. Um, and, and whether that sometimes almost creates the divides as, as, as people are, are afraid to face up to some of the things that they 
that they can't quite fully understand, which if we're thinking about God, would be perfectly natural as a finite mind tries to comprehend some, uh, an infinite being. I think mystery is a deeply uncomfortable place and uncertainty and unknowing, as we're seeing in general life at the moment, is, is such a terrible place to be because we we like in some ways to be in control of our own destiny. Um, and But actually the mystery, the sort of lack of understanding, the lack of facts that sort of encapsulates a lot of our understanding of God is perhaps not as compatible as we might like with with some parts of human thinking and understanding and perhaps with the sort of scientific mindset that we like to think that we're we're in more often perhaps than a, a religious or a theological one Nikki, um, just yes uh... i was let me let me just i was thinking it's funny about we talk about uncertainty today i've spent my morning um just before we're recording this in the work i do at the moment it's all about helping people work with change and complexity. And the big area that social science is working on is this working with uncertainty. Um, And it's a whole discipline. And I watched um, an hour of a lecture from somebody about what skills, how do we help people work with uncertainty? And I think it is a key question for us in both the science space and the faith space. Um, So I'm absolutely intrigued by that. Um, And I have awe and wonder when I watch a team come together in the same way I have awe and wonder when I look out into the world and see um, some amazing sights somewhere else. So there's something quite interesting there for me about the overlap that is. Um, So they're both, those methodologies are for me, different ways of seeing the world, different lenses. They both have some logic, some method, and they both have some intuitive leaps. And looking at both uh, those, the traditions of faith and theology and the tradition of science, they've held that ability to have both method and intuition in a reasonably healthy creative tension, I think. Mm-hmm. So some might say that religious faith has been inspiring scientists for centuries. Um, now, you know, kind of caveat that we all know about the church's opposition to Galileo and that kind of thing, you know, that the, the backstory isn't all good. Um, but there is a whole pantheon of scientists throughout history uh, who've been people of faith. Um, I believe that Isaac Newton considered his scientific work uh, of less importance than his theological essays. Uh, and even to this day, you know, there's an official Vatican astronomer. Yeah, that, I mean, that is the church literally sponsoring scientific investigation. Um, so is, is science really just a subset of theology? What, what do you reckon, Peter? Well, fairly simple, really. I mean, Augustine of Hippo defined theology as reasoning or discussion concerning the deity. And uh, the 16th century theologian, Richard Hooker, defined it as the science of things divine. And we've already heard somebody else described it as the queen of science. So, yeah, if you believe, as I do, that God created all things, seen and unseen, scientific study of any aspect of God's universe is a subset of theology, understanding the deity. Yes, I think I'd, I'd go with that. There's a desire to understand in in all of this and that's coming at it from different ways and I think the church has been a big player in the story of science as you said you quoted a few examples there's you know that's been a long journey of working together which is why it's intriguing how this point in history seems to be polarizing and what is it perhaps that's happening in this time that's triggering that but uh, no I think they are both both require some rigor and both are connected in those similar quests and challenges. 
I'm fascinated by something that um, John Polkinghorne said. Polkinghorne, um, for those who haven't come across him, is a theoretical physicist. Uh, and for years, he was a professor of mathematical physics uh, at Cambridge University. I think he was knighted uh, in the end of the 1990s, well, one of the people involved uh, in the discovery of quarks. And he's now an ordained Anglican priest. He said, and I love this quote, he said, if the physicists achieve their ends more successfully than the theologians, it's simply a reflection of how much easier science is than theology. Now, I think he was being mischievous. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on that? I think for some reason, immediately my mind has gone back to GCSE biology and trying to balance equations. And suddenly, I, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure whether I find uh, C6H1206 and photosynthesis, don't know how that's lodged in my brain or why, um, compared to sort of Thomas Aquinas and his Summa Theologica um, and this sort of approach of question followed by answer, followed by counter question and sort of wading through Aquinas and the other theologians. I'm not, I'm not sure which may may or may not be easier. Um, but I think we, we probably need to beware, as my uh, my late piano teacher as a child used to say, we need to beware comparing shepherd's pie and bananas and custard. Um, the the worry of whether the sort of the desired outcomes are the same. Are we, are we judging the same things and comparing the same things? Or rather, I suppose to go back to our desire for for common ground and and accord between science and theology, it's that sort of question of is the desired outcome the same? In that, do the earthly and the eternal search that we're sort of on through science and theology, are we looking for the same things? Do we do we have to acknowledge uh, that there might be a divergence in our approach and our our sort of outcome, or maybe actually there's a finite amount that one can discover, or an infinite amount that one can discover in either. Um, yeah, I've, I'm not sure actually. I think I've probably asked myself more questions than I've answered uh, in that. So maybe science isn't easier than theology at all. I thought I could reduce it to numbers, but I don't think I can. It's interesting though, isn't it? Because what scientists can achieve what physicists and other scientists can achieve is, is depends on and is limited by the methodologies that are available at the time. And if new or sensitive approaches turn up, more can be achieved. Um, and actually, this is what keeps most research scientists going, you know, the feeling that there are still things to discover, more mysteries, as we've already talked about, more mysteries to be unveiled, if only we had the tools to do it. I mean, theology... I'm not a theologian, but theology, in effect, seems to me the study of the many ways in which God reveals himself and his glory to us. And in my own little subset of scientific activity, it's been one, I have to say, in which people have concluded that there is no God, uh, or at least that there's no need to invoke any divine influence over the workings of the world. I have to say that for me, it was quite the opposite. To me, in scientific research, I was actually observing God at work. So, you know, both of them, we've got a long way to go. We haven't finished with all the science. Um, we haven't finished with all the understanding of the way God really keeps revealing us in every generation in different ways. And to me, it was through science. And I'm very grateful to him. Mm-hmm. So if we're, if we're all agreed, as I think we seem to be, that the two are basically complementary, um, how can we best, dissuade people and this isn't something I hear so much these days but I remember 
uh, when I first became a Christian, just over 30 years ago, uh, it was one of those things that you used to hear quite often. Someone, you know, you might, someone, a colleague at work or someone in the pub would discover that you were a Christian and that it was, you know, a key part of who you were. And, and with a sort of airy wave, they say, oh, well, of course, science has disproved the Bible, hasn't it? Or something like that. Uh, how can we best dissuade people who've been encouraged to think that, um, that actually these two aren't in opposition to each other at all? I think my starting point wouldn't be about dissuading, but trying to say, how do we engage people in good conversations? How do we get people to really think about what faith is? Um, as well as thinking about what science is, because I think people, for various reasons, sometimes seem to sort of shy away from both of them. I've met people who do the, you know, I don't do faith. In the same way, I meet people who say, I don't do science or I don't do maths. And I think there is something about finding ways that attract and engage and have a conversation. Um, they're both su subjects that do require us to be curious. And I think that mindset of, wondering, I wonder why, I wonder why it's like this, and how might we understand this in another way? They are both, we've talked a bit about questions, they're both working out what are the key questions that we want to wrestle with. And I think for lots of people, there is common ground, um, and there is more exploring is the way to do it, engage people in it. Um, in the same way that if somebody was saying to me, I really don't get this science thing, I would say to them, come on, let's go down the space centre. I'm a big fan of that place. It uh, it just makes me it makes me look at, in wonder at the world. It hits all my science buttons. Um, I'm uh, somebody who grew up with the whole space thing around. I was born on the day that Gagarin uh, went into space and it's sort of formed part of the kind of scenery around my life. So somewhere like that, that makes me think, of this is an extraordinary world, the universe we look beyond, makes me think, gosh, that's God is so big. And it helps me explore mm. that. So I think I can come at God through science and science and God come together. And I would encourage people to discover those places where it takes them into a place that they're not quite unsure of what's going on, but let's, let's look at it and let's explore it together. Mm. I mean, the thing the thing that I've sort of picked up with this idea of dissuasion um, and the idea of being in opposition to one another, I think is there are a couple of bits. One is the sort of the sense that we can sometimes give as Christians or as a church of arrogance in terms of how faith can sometimes trump science. Um, we sometimes say that God will provide or God will deliver us. And, and yes, he does. But actually, sometimes that's through the work of other people, through the work of science and so on and their knowledge uh, and so on and so forth. And I think we need to be attentive to that um, as Christians and as a church. And the other thing, just as a, a bit of a, a humble brag, actually, one of my proudest assemblies or acts of collective worship was when on the rotor it said STEM, Science, Technology, Engineering and Maths. And I hadn't come across this acronym before, so I... Uh, I emailed the deputy head and said, uh, I'm down for assembly that week. What's that? To which the deputy head replied, oh, uh, well, it's science, technology, engineering, maths, nothing to bother you, vicar, um, which was, well, red rag to a bull, really, because they then got the best darn assembly they'd ever had on, in my opinion, on STEM. Um, uh, talking of arrogance earlier on in my slot, perhaps, um, but in which, yeah, they got examples of how science and particularly engineering, Nikki might be pleased to hear, 
related to uh, to faith and church life and uh, some geeky bits like the three domes of St. Paul's and the relative strength of arches as people develop their understanding of science and so on and so forth. But actually, I was, again, at risk of another humble brag, I did make it onto the school Twitter feed. And I think that rather rather smashed some expectations of how we might just engage in, in a different way and, and surprise people. And that might be as much to do with people's expectations of us as uh, as our expectations the other way around as well. I went, interesting, when you were speaking there and you sort of invoked the, the Space Centre as a great example, it made me think, actually, you know, the, the scientists have been brilliant in the sort of second half of the 20th century and into the 21st are actually popularizing what they're doing and you think of some of the incredible uh, you know really wonderful documentaries you see on tv and how you know back in the day people like sir patrick moore and more recently um uh, you know brian cox or various others have actually been able to to take science and present it in a way that excites people who haven't previously been excited and i just wonder if actually with some humility, we as a church have got something to learn from what they've been doing there in the way that they've taken something complex uh, that a lot of people would say, oh, you know, my brain can't cope with that. And actually, people turn on the telly and they're going, wow, that's great. I was just thinking about what, I mean, I'm in awe of science communicators. I think I have been really impressed at some of those, the way, as you say, partly their ability to take something really complicated and say it in a way that I understand it but also just somebody who has a sheer passion for a particular mm. thing that they are able to communicate um I had a I managed to at an event last summer bump into Maggie Adderin Pocock uh wonderful uh, again back on the space theme and she's been uh, one of my heroines for a while and I happened to end up uh, stuck at a queue with her um, in the middle of nowhere for a while. It's a long story. But anyhow, and I was it was just the passion that came over. And I think there's a lot to learn from people who are able to communicate something that is so important to them in a way that is clear and understandable. And I think the church definitely has a lot to learn from that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And maybe one thing, uh, another thing which science and faith have in common um, is that perhaps most people, um, well, most people aren't scientists. And actually, most people have never really looked into faith with any great depth. I mean, I th- I'll slightly misquote, but uh, G.K. Chesterton said something once along the lines of um, that, that Christianity hasn't been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and not tried. Uh, and so I think in, in both cases, you know, there, there are a lot of people who haven't engaged with them. Um, uh, and there's perhaps a, a similarity there. But I think you're right. I think there's plenty to learn uh, from some of those people who, whose enthusiasm has drawn others in. Um, sorry, Peter, any thoughts on that sort of um, dissuading people who've been encouraged to think yes. that they're uh, in opposition? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I, I would say that I, I, because I think I've already done this in, in various circumstances, use my experience as a Christian who is also a scientist to witness, if you like, by example, um, to the fact that science needn't be a stumbling block to being a Christian. I think, you know, there have been several people that I've met who are really worried that they can't, you know, that they think that there's this antagonism, which as we've been discussing for the last half hour, that there isn't really. And and I think that's been really my my experience in, in all of this. And I think that's quite important to do. We have to keep implying that there are lots of um, scientists who are very uh, devout Christians. and uh, And that's a good sign, I think. 
So one last question, uh, and this will go out to all of you uh, in any order you want. Uh, so just jump in with the answer. But I wonder if in a couple of sentences, um, you could answer how has your faith enhanced your appreciation of science and vice versa? Shall I jump in? It's gone very quiet. <laughs> so I was thinking, I think about faith. Um, so believing God is active and at work in the world um, is a part of what I believe. I genuinely believe in a God who is doing things. And therefore, for, that leads me to be wondering at, so how does that look in terms of the science? If God is at work, we see things changing. So I'm really, you know, that's a that's one for me. How uh, And it, it leads me into all sorts of questions of seeing how change is happening. As this, Change has been a big theme of the work I've done for the last couple of decades, I guess. So, and possibilities. And science is about those ideas. I think particularly at the moment, as a person of faith, um, thinking a bit about how we tread lightly on the earth is leading to all sorts of amazing science, thinking about what is it to tend for creation. Um, I think those two have been ones where the faith-science connection has been quite strong for me in recent times. Um, and I think, again, that you know, the science one of where suddenly new discoveries. I mean, I listen to quite a bit of science, um, radio, telly, those kind of things. And I think some of those I've suddenly discovered all sorts of things. I'm a big fan of uh, Radio 4's Life Scientific, where a scientist talks a bit about their work. And they are people I would never have thought somebody could be an expert in. And over the years, suddenly hearing somebody enthuse about a discovery just makes me think, God is so much bigger than I can possibly imagine. Yeah. There's a whole new set of things, a thought that's never crossed my head before, and God is already there. I think one of the things for me, uh, I picked up a couple of days ago on iPlayer, um, Brian Cox doing uh, this amazing programme alongside an orchestra where they were playing The Planets by Holst. And Brian Cox was sort of accompanying the different movements and the different planets, at least as we understood them in, in 1917 when Holst uh, composed the, the planets, but with uh, photographs from space of the present day. And it was just absolutely extraordinary, just this wonderful music uh, with, with these amazing photographs as well. But you're sort of left with that feeling of quite how vast and ever expanding and increasing uh, our universe is. And it's extraordinary where you sort of think, not only of this universe, but of God as this sort of infinite uh, entity, this infinite being who loves us and knows us. And yet this God who became one of us. And so the sort of the great macro level of the universe comes down and becomes atoms and molecules, becomes yeah. one of us, uh, becomes a human being in the person of Jesus. And I think that's one of those sort of key key factors in my faith. It's not just about the big stuff. But actually, it's about this person, Jesus, who God, who walked this earth, who embodied our human form and lived amongst us. And it's just amazing that that blend of just enormity, but also of the, the everyday, uh, the macro and the micro, I suppose. Mm. I think that was a great line from um, one of the sort of worship songs that used to be sung in churches, I guess, 20 years ago or whatever now. Um, but that line said, hands that flung stars into space to cruel nails surrendered and that's that that that's kind of where where you're going with that isn't it yeah mm. peter yeah my my uh in 
uh, feelings really are sort of going even further down than the micro scale to the mini, 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 nano, whatever it is scale. Um, because, I mean, I, I do firmly believe that God provided me with all these opportunities to be a scientist. I can think of several examples of what you call God incidences over the years in my career. And I'm very, very thankful, not least because in seeing all the, what, paradoxical, intricate simplicity, if you see what I mean, of biological phenomena at the very detailed molecular level, which is what my research was all about, I was really seeing the glory of God at the other end of the size scale. And that's great, I think, for me. Mm -hmm. That's, that's great. I mean, that brings us to the end uh, of another Rethinking Aloud. Um, but as always, we want this to be not the end of the conversation, um, but the start of a whole load of new conversations in your church, small group, home group or fresh expression. So here are just a few questions that you might like to reflect on and talk about. How would you answer a friend who said, of course, science has disproved the Bible, hasn't it? How would you describe the relationship between faith and science. Someone once said that science is thinking God's thoughts after him. How do you respond to that statement? In what ways are faith and science similar? In what ways are faith and science different? And why do you think that faith and science sometimes appear to be in conflict? Well, it's been really good having your company. And thanks for listening. My thanks also, of course, to Peter, to Nikki and to Chris. Uh, and I hope you'll tune in next week and once again we'll be rethinking aloud. Until then, stay safe.